to say. Uh, someone has yeah. done that, though. Whoever <laughs> it was, that's happened, it's, and the Israelis have done the Bomber same. Bomber Harris, man. Yep. Oh, they're just... The press glorifies war. I mean, we're finally leaving Afghanistan. I'll get to why that we're really leaving, because it has nothing to do with anything altruistic. But they are like acting like this is the same as the escape from Vietnam on helicopters or whatever. <laughs> they even photoshopped the same helicopter from the roof pictures. So yeah. This isn't this, that analogy doesn't work at all. But we never should have been in Vietnam, and we shouldn't have gone in Afghanistan. The, the pretext to go to Afghanistan because some people from Al-Qaeda under Osama bin Laden might have trained in that area. So we're going to replace their government, stick in a puppet That's regime, right. and then occupy the country nine years after Osama bin Laden's officially dead, uh, who was caught in Pakistan, by the way. And uh, and what? Liberate the heroin? <laughs> <laughs> it was women's rights. That's what, that's what we yes. were there for. We were there to make sure women could vote. Right. Garden and, the um, poppy fields was yeah. just a hobby. <laughs> yeah, of course. The drug trade and all the, all the money that guard, came from that, There's that no women's matter. college to guard, but we guard the poppy fields because that makes sure money. Do. <laughs> you know, we're just coming and, up and on. They uh, would drug test the guys over. They would drug test the soldiers in, in Afghanistan too oh, to make they? sure they weren't. Uh, part oh yes, they did. Yep, they started doing. I that, talked to a lot of know, veterans that say, "What'd you do on your tour?" And they like guarded poppy fields. Yep. It's like I didn't want they to, sure but did. that's you know that's what we were told to do: guard the poppy field, let them sell it. That's their revenue. <laughs> that's incredible. It's just insane to sit there and think of how many people that we incarcerate in this country. And all the things that we did in Central and South America, fighting drugs and this oh, yeah. war on drugs, you know. Yeah, we really but, fighting drugs. But we'll drugs. send our troops over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> on the bottom rung <laughs> only. <laughs> Silly. Absolutely. It's completely hypocritical, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the, yeah, the wars, it doesn't make sense. Drugs like from Big Pharma is really as large, if not larger, than the illegal drugs. It's yeah. the, I mean, the Oxycontin and stuff and, oh, well, all these vaccines that aren't even actually vaccines and just the pointlessness of a lot of the antidepressants and all the shit they're pushing on kids and the Adderall and Ritalin and this and that. I mean, they are a drug cartel. And that's the way we I live think, now. I forget what percentage of the pharmaceuticals that the U.S. population consumes. It's it's a disproportionate We it, We, we consume it, it, the most drugs, for sure. Yeah. That's oh, also because yeah. we away. own them. We make the most drugs, so it's in our interest. Yep. Profiteering. It's life. a pill for every problem. Yeah. I need a, uh, I need a white pill on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we we've left Afghanistan. So True, you know that opium, uh, the opioid epidemic is going to take a major blow because the Taliban is probably going to turn around and set those poppy fields on fire. They will. Because yep. I think they had basically eradicated don't, it before we don't got stand there. Don't downwind of Afghanistan because you're going to get high. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen that reporter they were burning marijuana or something and he's just yes. giggling like <laughs> he's got a contact buzz or something that's right i can only imagine yeah i bet they certainly will they'll probably burn it burn it try it out good on him man. who knows you know that'll hurt the, the sackler family must be in tears they're going to take a major blow. I mean, at this point, it's all, it's all, it's all uh, synthetic at this point anyway, isn't it? You know, like everything they put in their drugs. Does it even come from opium? Well, the opium trade finances the terrorists in Syria and stuff too. So, yeah, That's very true. They've got new revenue streams now. There's, 
Yes, this has to do with China and lots of other stuff. I was about to say it's going to be the uh, the, 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 new, the Belt Road Initiative, you know, pushing through Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, That's what I assumed it was. Yeah. Gonna have to deal with the Taliban now. <laughs> we, we hey, just, but they're um, going to accept them, I bet. Oh, it's it's. I bet the Taliban will protect their roads. Biden for is them just. Too. I, I has he done anything right? Like, this is kind of the right thing for the wrong reason. So, and this is his best thing. And of course, the media is going to say it's the worst thing he's ever done. Uh, yeah. And then the things that were really bad, they ignore, like getting rid of voter ID on a federal level. He did that the first day, and the ending uh, the pipelines and the fracking. And now we're we're dependent on Middle Eastern oil again. Thanks, Biden. That was. The whole point, <laughs> like one thing Trump did do, yes, it was was make us energy independent, and now we're not. That's just like that. yeah. But I heard that OPEC's not going to try to do anything to relieve yeah. any type of yeah. He's like, you should situation. produce more oil. <laughs> like we're nope. we're pulling out what we can pull out. You can eat a dick. Yep. Uh, That's right. Yeah, he's like, they won't produce more oil. I say, you know who could produce oil? Uh, the United States. But you fired all those people, and now they're hooked on COVID bucks and. You ended the pipelines. You said you weren't going to do that in the debates, and you weren't part of the radical left. And he's done everything the radical left. He opened the borders. He's done. He just. I mean, God, he sucks so bad. We got. We had like five percent inflation in one month. Yep. That's like almost Bitcoin level volatility. That's. I mean, but this is the result of all this free money they've been giving everybody, and you know, just print it out, hand it out, free money for everybody. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a joke, and it's not going to end well because it, it can't. There's just no way you can continue to do this and keep this train on the on the I'm rails. I'm waiting for the know? Democrats to say, "Elect me, and you'll get ice cream in the mail and a free pony." <laughs> One day, they'd argue about the gender of the pony or something. Is <laughs> God? All right, switching gear. Let's uh, do it. Fallujah. Now, this is dark, yeah. but um. You got to hear it from someone that was there. And uh, we'll talk about those NE emissions. Um, or is it EM? Yeah, it? yeah NE, Novell Explosive. So yeah. whenever we went to Fallujah, um, before we before we went in, um, actually this was at a, as a second part of it. It's, it's difficult for me to remember the exact timeline of certain things, but at this point we were at Camp Fallujah, and um, it's called the Mech. We're in this big tent city thing, you know, we're in these gigantic circus tents. But we got brought in. Um, they brought these new munitions into us. So I was a assaultman. I carried a, a, a rocket or a rocket launcher called a, a small and um, the M- MK-153. And it shot these 83 millimeter rockets. So normally what we carried over there, there was no the the. the Munitions that we generally would carry would be an anti-armor munition or an HE round, you know, HEDP. And uh, there's no tanks for us to fight, so we didn't have any HE round, or if we didn't have any uh, armor-piercing rounds because there was no purpose for them. But we would carry the uh, the um, HEDP rounds because you can blow a hole in the side of a wall, you can shoot them at a vehicle, uh, you can put them through a window and you know, you know, knock out a room or something like that. But that was all we had. So, but before we started doing these um, drills to go up into Fallujah, um, what we would do, they, we had these guys come in, and they were, if I remember correctly, it, they were civilians that came in to give us a class. 
And all the assault men, you know, like our squad leaders and then all of our corpsmen had to come get this, you know, training on what this this new thing was. So it was um, it, it's called a Novell explosives or a thermobaric round. And we're not the only ones that use them. I mean, they drop some of these things from block from from planes. Um, the Russians have them. Uh, I mean, I know they use them in Chechnya, but a thermobaric round, what it basically does is um, it's used to on a smaller building or something the size of a house or a small home, something like that, it'll completely blow them apart. Whereas a normal explosive, I mean, it's not like the movies where, you know, something, a little law rocket goes in and blows a house apart. No way. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't do anything close to that. Um, but a thermobaric round's different. It's, uh, it's a, it had a huge warhead. I mean, these things were like a four-pound warhead. They were ginormous. When you took the caps off of the, off of the warheads, I mean, it just stuck out like the, like the APCR rounds. They just or the, the armor pierce rounds, they, they just stuck out. Um, it wasn't APCR, it's the wrong terminology, it's AP round. But the, um, these, these big things, what they would do is, it's kind of a slow explosive. It, and it's like, a, technically speaking, you know, all explosives don't explode at the same rate. They have like a, a relative effectiveness factor. So some explosives can cut, some explosives can heave. And most of the charges that you see in rockets and missiles and things like that are cutting charges. They're there to have a lot of energy and force and a concentrated blast to pierce something. Um, this munition was different. What it was designed to do is to push a house apart, like a slow push that was an elevated, um, it was an elevated pressure, but then it creates a suction afterwards. So it's like a vacuum. And that's what happens in a larger structure. So that's where our corpsmen were with us. Because they told us, like, well, you know, if you, if you shoot this into, you know, a large building and you go into it afterwards. Does that have you know, DU in it? I, I've heard that it does. I, I've heard that there's DU in it. Um, but I don't know for sure that, it, that there was. Um, okay. But whenever these things would go off inside of a large structure, something big, they would um, like a World Trade Center. I'm just kidding. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but like a, you know, some of the homes and some of the the, the houses like over a in Iraq house are or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're concrete and they're, they're they're made very different than ours are. They're brick, and like they're, they always have flat roofs and things yeah. like that, so you can go up on top of them. But if if you were to fire one of those inside of a large building and or a larger home and then go into it, they told us you know you you may find people that you know are going to look alive. Um, they're gonna. You know, they may still be breathing, um, but, you know, you need to check their, you know, look at their pupils and check their orifices to see if they're bleeding. Because the overpressure that it creates, um, our bodies aren't designed to take that. And then it creates this vacuum afterwards, which, like, collapses your lungs and things like that and messes with your, with yeah, your organs your and your brain. Implode. That's right. And if you were to find these guys that basically they were telling our corpsmen that there's there's probably nothing you can do for them. So don't, you know, don't even worry about what they're doing you know don't worry about what don't worry with them you're not gonna be able to save them um but that's that's what we were taking in there with us and i mean in in a i mean there's two sides of this i mean that's a very ugly weapon i mean i look at this from a military perspective i mean they have as a purpose you know you want to kill people in a building and they're trying to kill you well it's kill or be killed you know but it's a god-awfully ugly way to do it you know um but yeah those are the any rounds they gave us we never shot one i never fired a single small in iraq um we were, they always told us they were too destructive and we, it would, it was <laughs> in most cases, uh, it was okay for us to lob mortars, you know, indirect fire at something, 
But, uh, you know, fire a direct fire weapon right at the window or right into the side of a building. No, 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 you can't do that. You just got to mortar them. <laughs> it didn't make sense. But we never really, we never got to shoot them. Uh, my unit, my none of my guys ever got to shoot one. Um, so, thankfully, we never had to see that. Uh, so, I, I guess that's the, the upside of it is we never used it. Unfortunately, but the, we uh, didn't have those on January 6th. Just kidding. <laughs> there were no weapons on January 6th. That's what's there hilarious. Were no nobody got assaulted. 6th. Nobody got shot. Nobody even had a weapon, but they called it an insurrection anyway. Oh, wait. Someone got shot, but not by the protesters. The protester with an unarmed right. woman was killed. Yeah. Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. They won't even sure. say the pig's name that did it. Don't. She's the wrong don't. color, so she doesn't matter. That's right. White lives don't matter. That's right. So, so that those those weapons did exist and other people did use oh, yeah. them, I assume. And so, well, I've got, Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. So like that, so I was in the, the vigilant resolve, which was the first push of Fallujah mm -hmm. and uh phantom fury was whenever the big push that came in November. And I'm sure they probably used them then. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of people are unaware that there were two different pushes. So my unit, they use you know, MK seven, seven in the second push too, which is like a upgraded form of napalm. It's pretty nasty. Well, that's something I don't even think I've told you this yet, but um, whenever I'll, I'll, I was I'll talking to a veteran, I was like, on the airplane from Japan to the U.S. and talked about Iraq the whole time. He was telling me about some of the nasty stuff. Yes, yeah. sir. Well, we when we my unit, so that that whole the first vigilant resolve was a, a couple weeks, I think maybe, uh, but we were only in there on the tail end of it. So the beginning of April of two thousand four, we were guarding my company or my platoon specifically we were guarding this bridge we had uh the Jaffel sucker bridge and we had um this ginormous like four or five lane bridge it was huge it went over the euphrates and uh it's the first time i'd seen a bridge like that in the country we're over there guarding it because we guarded bridges a lot the first deployment because they were worried people were going to blow the bridges up and things like that and um that was the first place that i had seen like combat shot at shooting people, get, being mortared, mortaring people back, um, you know, having RPGs shot at you. It, it was nuts. I mean, it was one of those things where, um, you know, you when it starts to happen, I mean, it's like when you, that was when I got my cherry popped. I'd say it like that. The, the first time you ever experienced something like that, that's the most vivid. Um, when you really know your life's in danger, you can be killed. This is real. It's not a joke anymore. Um, it's like Chicago you know, you at can night. Tell. <laughs> And not that. I don't think Chicago got as ugly as that <laughs> in, in, a, in that small of an area. You know what, though? Chicago bridge, has had more shootings than Afghanistan. Than Afghanistan. Yeah. They sure have. Yep, it's more dangerous to be in Chicago than it was to be in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's because um, we just stayed this, in the green zone in Afghanistan, mostly. So. Well, the guys were told they couldn't engage people either, too. You know, I mean, they At one point, you know, through the Obama years, they were given very restrictive rules of engagement. Yep. But um, Fallujah, when we went there, the, you know, and it's kind of hard to remember because, I mean, I was just a, an infantry grunt. I was a young enlisted guy, so I didn't, I just do what I'm told. You know, it's like, hey, we're going here. Get your shit, you know, put it on the trucks. So we put all of our, we were in a camp, uh, Camp Mamadia, which was in, uh, there was, it was in Mamadia, it was Bob St. Michael. And we put all of our, they told us, hey, you know, you pack your stuff, um, we're, we're going to do something. They didn't tell us what we were doing. 
but we, we knew we were leaving that base. You know, an army unit was coming back in to take over the base that we were on. So we packed all of our all of our bags and everything, like everything that we had with us, all of our belongings, and put them in these trailers behind our seven-ton trucks. And off we go. And we don't know where we're going. So um, when we get to like the outskirts of Fallujah, apparently the battle had already been going on, like what, what you'd call it a battle, but this this conflict in Fallujah had already been going on. And this was the result of uh, some Blackwater guys getting strung up on a bridge um, because, you know, Blackwater had killed a bunch of people, so they snatched they, up some Blackwater let me guys. Let add the them. specifics to that. So the Iraqis naively tried to protest the, you know, Chalabi goons being put in, and Blackwater fired on a crowd unarmed crowd and killed 72 civilians 72 can you imagine a protest not just one ashley babbitt <laughs> 72 people just gunned down by these american mercenaries some of them from el salvador yep. or whatever and so that's why they hunted them down they they realized their pattern just going back and forth to the airport caught them on a bridge um shot up the vehicle burned them and hung the bodies up for trophies and that was all over cnn and stuff the shooting of the 72 civilians was not on TV, but the Blackwater, they Those didn't say it was matter. Blackwater either. They said killed the Americans. That They would, they acted like yeah. the assumption was military, and it wasn't. It was Blackwater. But they had shot 72 people. So there's your 72 virgins or whatever. They just shot 72 yeah. people. Totally brainwashed, like hardcore Catholics and stuff in uh, Blackwater. I actually met Eric Prince. He's uh, He was an Amway guy. I met him at my uncle's farm. Psychopath. Uh, so anyway, that's awesome. It's in a book called Blackwater by Jeremy Scahill. If anyone wants the, the real nitty gritty on it, I recommend that. It's before he sold out to Piero Midiar. So good book. It's called Blackwater, Jeremy Scahill. So that sets it up. Their bodies are all like all mangled and burned and hanging on this bridge. Yep. The military has to go in and clean up the mess that Blackwater started. And so that's where they are and, of vigilant resolve right yeah i mean i never saw the bodies i never saw you know we we knew about that once we got there like when when we got there and they told us what we were doing um we knew that it had something to do with those guys that had gotten killed either we knew it then or we knew it after the fact i can't remember what, you know which which way it went but when we got so we pulled up on and i mean again like i don't remember where it's just like hey get in the truck here you're going somewhere so we, we pulled up and it was our whole company um it was our it was our whole battalion actually our whole battalion went so it wasn't just our company it was a whole group of us and uh, we pulled up along a side of the, a stretch of the city again I don't know which you know north south east west of it and when we got there you know we kind of just got out of the vehicles and got online you know like facing the city and we had uh, uh, commandeered a home that was in the area so we uh, took over this house and sent. Um, a machine gun team up on top, a 240, you know, they had a 240 machine gun team. And um, I, I don't know if it was one of our stay guys, uh, one of our one of our snipers, uh, but one of the guys was up on the uh, on the roof with the um, Sasser, which is like, uh, it's the Barrett 50 cal. <clears throat> they were up top, just scoping things out, looking at what was going on. So at first it was calm. There was nothing there. I mean, we weren't being shot at or anything like that. But we sent a, like a recon patrol with uh, vehicles, Umbies, up to, you know, to do like a, not a presence patrol, but just a reconnaissance patrol. And apparently they were told like, hey, don't cross this line. If you cross this line, 
they're going to start shooting at us. Well, they crossed the line. And they didn't mean to. They're just idiots and the mumbies weren't paying attention. So they crossed the line and um, they started getting lit up. So whenever they got lit up, you know, they came back. No one got hurt in that in that little convoy or whatever. Uh, they all made it back. You know, they had some flat tires and things like that, but everyone made it back. Uh, but then, hey, there's Americans over here. So the, the side of the city comes over to us and starts starts shooting at us. And by this point in time, we'd been shot at plenty, you know. So get, being shot at wasn't particularly scary. You know, you can certainly tell the difference between how far a, how far a bullet is away from you by what it sounds like. You know, whenever they're um, when they're, they're they're far away, they just crack. You know, you hear them crack and breaking the sound barrier. When they're close to you, they sound like little angry bees because you can hear the bullet spinning when it flies past you. Um, but so when you hear them far away from you, you're like, oh man. I mean, you just kind of all right. There's you know something going around. You know whatever. So. Um, I was with uh, one of the guys on my team. We had our small with us, and um, we were just waiting because we're in that in that kind of a scenario. We're a support element. We're not there to do anything unless they call us saying, "Hey, put a rocket right there." So we're just sitting there watching it, you know. So basically, everybody gets online and starts shooting. And um, during this, I mean, the fire picks up from both sides. So we hear you know rounds coming over top of us, and then it starts getting closer to us where. At first, you know, where where I was, where me and my friend were sitting, um, we had like a palm tree in between us. So we were on this little canal. There was like a ditch that was here. And uh, it's like a uh, an irrigation canal. But they're all over the place out there. That's just the way they move water around. And um, we had heard the rounds flying over top of us. But eventually, like, the two of us are sitting, I don't know, a couple feet apart from each other. The trees in the between us. The tree gets hit by a round. So we look at the tree, look at each other, and we're like, ha-ha. So then we laid down kind of in this little uh, this irrigation canal, just, hey, you know, we're getting out of the way of fire, and we're just, just chilling and waiting. So as we're down there, um, you know, we can look up and see what's going on and uh, kind of watching what's, what's happening. And I hear a church bell. And there were like, I remember at the time, I was worried about, these ants that were in the thing. I didn't want to get bit by these ants. And I hear the bell and I'm thinking to myself, like, where is this coming from? And, um, cause you don't hear church bells. I mean, it's loud. I mean, it's obviously a church bell and it's just, you know, on sync. And I remember thinking in my head and I was like one bell off from like the guitar solo when it ACDC starts. song. The first, the first song was hell's bells by ACDC. So what had happened was this was a, this was a psyops Humvee. So it's a Humvee that's got these big speakers on them and they had apparently come, came up to us. And at the same time that this had happened up the road from us, there was like a vehicle checkpoint up the road. They had an Abrams, a, a tank up the road. So whenever we start taking fire, you know, this tank like hauls ass to us. Cause they're like, I mean, they're just like we are. They're like, well, we're going to get some. So the tank comes and he gets online. But whenever, whenever it starts, you know, the, the three songs that I remember them playing um, were was Hell's Bells was the first one. And then they, they played Power Man 5000, uh, When Worlds Collide. And Drowning Pool. And Drowning Pool, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. Yeah, those are the first three songs. And I mean, and so when this was taking place, um, the, the guys, the, the stay team that we had on the roof, you know, the guy, you know, the, the sniper team that was up there, they were glassing people and figuring out where they're at. And what they would glassing do is they were talking oh, to Someone asks, is this live? Yes, it is. 
John Scully, I see your donation, and Colonel J, and uh, Woodkey, and uh, Barion. Half your name is cut off from the screen, but thanks. No, this is live. Um, we were talking to Mr. Bowers about his experience in Iraq. And, I mean, it nearly dead. They shot the tree right next to him, right? Uh, yeah. Dead oh, and yeah. injured. But, I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it's just like you get shot at. I mean, you're not. Was it above the ditch line people. where they hit the tree or was it in it? Like... I mean, no. So, like, the, the palm tree was, you know, it's a date tree, you know. So, it was on the opposite side of the canal that we were sitting on. And, I mean, or the little ditch. So, I mean, it was just a few feet behind us, but in between right. us. But whenever it got hit, you know, you could tell because, you know, the, the ship flies off of it. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. I mean, we looked at each other and laughed. I'm like, ha, ha, and, and just got down. Almost, the, yeah. The little, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, oh, well. Um, That's so we why were, we're here. And, yeah. and I've wondered before. We were far enough away. I mean, they could see us. So, if, if they could see us and actually, you know, had placed around towards one of us. I mean, it's just a they little may have seen the tree and assume maybe someone's behind that or what? I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, there was a couple guys that got. I mean, we had some guys that got shot. One of our dudes, I remember. Uh, I mean, one of the guys got shot in his elbow. He was one of our mortarmen, um, and he, he ended up leaving. You know, after that. But um, it, it was there was a lot of gunfire that went on. But whenever I said glassing, so glassing is they're just looking through a scope. They're yeah. watching. They're able to to look, you know, up close and, and give um, you know direction. So what would happen was they would find where people were moving, they would talk to the tank and then the machine gunner that was up there with them, they would talk to them too. The machine gunner would shoot burst of fire, you know, that's got tracers, you know, and the tanks have got thermals. So they're throwing a, a, a you know, a couple bursts of fire from the machine gun into the target and the tank would move, you know, boom, throw around into wherever they were aiming. And this is something I didn't tell you before. So we were doing what's called our mortarmen were shaken bacon. And what shake and bake is, is uh, H-E and white phosphorus. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I knew at the time that this was against the Geneva Convention. Because I'm like, well, there's, because you can use, you can use that against armor, right? So if there's a tank or something like that, you can use phosphorus against a tank. Um, but you can also use it as a smoke screen. And sometimes you do use it as a smoke screen specifically to hide what you're doing or prevent someone else from being able to see you. But they were targeting, I mean, they were doing what's shaking bake where you're throwing he and white phosphorus in the same area it's nasty you know but um you know i i saw him i watched us do it so in, in the course of this day so this was like the beginning of it right this is like the first i don't know 45 minutes to an hour or whatever was the part where we were really doing the most shooting after that it became what happens in kind a shake of a, and bake like why are those two explain why those two are so horrible well, phosphorus, man. I mean, phosphorus, white phosphorus. If it gets on you, if the if the smoke gets, if 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 you inhale it, it's gonna give you these chemical burns. It's incredibly hot. Um, they were not doing air bursts, so they were hitting the ground with it, which is, is not as bad, I guess, in a way. But um, they, it, it's. Uh, I mean, I just couldn't imagine somewhere. being close. To that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine being there. And and this is this is the other part that's really fucked up about this is this city was still full of people. Not just, you know, it wasn't just insurgents there. I mean, you got to think of all these poor Iraqis that had, you know, one car that was some piece of shit and they had nowhere to go. So they're stuck in this city while this stuff's going on. And I, yeah, I couldn't imagine. In a city. This isn't like on a base or something. This isn't a oh. city. Yeah. Oh, no. This is they're a city. On a bridge, yeah. a lot of it. That's right. God so damn. after this, um, like, later on, we, because of the, the amount of 
activity, we started having airstrikes. And I think they were F-16s and F-18s were the ones that had uh, that came in and gave us air support. But they were dropping, you know, I don't know what size, whether they were 500-pound or 2,000-pound JDAMs, these big, I mean, it was, but seeing, and I, I sent you this, those photographs to you. Yeah. Um, there was a, we had a photographer from Time Magazine, his name was Cho. Um, he was with us. And he was not with my unit. He was, or he was not with my platoon or my my company, excuse me, he was with a sister company that was, you know, a couple hundred yards up the up the, the way from us. And, uh, you know, he got these these pictures of it, of, uh, of what it looked like. But to, to see a plane come in, I remember just being in awe of it because it's one of those things where you, you watch something on TV or you see a movie and you never really think you're going to see something like that. But to watch a plane come in and drop, bombs on a city it's uh there's nothing like it um and that that kind of capped out the day that we were there like what the day was like so then that night <laughs> we moved and they moved us you know a couple hundred yards away from where we were originally and uh, we dug in so we dug our fighting positions and we actually dug in this time so we dug in and fighting positions and we're all out there on like 50% watch. So that means like in every hole, there's like one of you is awake, one of you is asleep. And we got, and I didn't, I didn't tell you that about this either. So at night, man, it was pain in the ass because they were playing like bombs over Baghdad and fucking fighting cats, all these incredibly obnoxious songs, like in the middle of the night, like all night long. So not only does it, it's there to like piss these guys off and keep them awake, but it, pisses us off and keeps us awake too but um when we were out there that night we got at, at first so one of the things that you use sometimes is illumination rounds and um that's whenever whether it's an artillery round or a mortar round it's uh, a ginormous flare that goes up pops up top and illuminates an area so while we were out there we had loom rounds pop over top of us and at the time, we actually thought that these were our Illum rounds. We found out later those were those guys' Illum rounds. They were illuminating us. And then uh, we had airburst mortars fired at us. So they were firing mortars that were popping over top of us. And um, I don't think anybody got injured during it, but it was, a, it was a damn sight to see. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, hot damn, you know. They're actually doing something, uh, you know, fairly you know, tactical, uh, fighting us like that. And Those then, guys got giant like we were, balls because you know they're outgunned, out teched, out everything, and they're oh, just yeah. like, "I'll fight you anyway." <laughs> well, they're and I, I, my guess would be, you know, these are insurgents, so I mean, they're people from who knows where, but they're probably also a lot of the Iraqi military guys, you know, that, that disbanded and said, "Hey, you know, I'm not wearing this uniform anymore. I'm going back home," and home was Fallujah. So then, when we we're there in Fallujah doing that, they're like, "Well, I guess I'll go uh, show these guys how to throw some orders or something." Um, and then we were there a day or two longer. Or it was Carol we, we may have went. <laughs> we we were there not too long after that. I don't remember how long we, we weren't there for long. We weren't we were not in in the side of Fallujah for more than a, more than two days. I don't believe. Again, it goes back to you know like you're sleep deprived during all this, so it's hard to really nail down time frames sometimes because you're you're doing so much and it'll blend together you know whenever you start thinking about it but there's are moments that you have that are so clear um 
you know, and for me, it I've was I've had just that the, on the anti-war side where I stay up two or three days yeah. saying, they're doing this, and you're lying about that. And like, so yeah. I got these circles. Uh, talk about the scope incident on the bridge with the girl and the father and stuff. Yeah, so this was, this was before um, Fallujah, and this was the time where I said, you know, I got my cherry pop. So we, we went to this, there was like a, if I remember correctly, there was some sort of religious holiday they were celebrating that they had not been able to celebrate underneath Saddam. So there was supposed to be a lot of movement of people around in the country. And um, they sent us to watch this bridge. And when we, before we went to the bridge, we went to this, we had to clear this ginormous uh, military complex. It was abandoned. There was no one there, but it was, from what I've researched after the fact, it was like one of the Iraq's high energy weapons uh, facilities that they used to fill the Scud missiles and stuff like that. And there was like a, a Scud missile test range. But these these bunkers were freaking huge. And they had been attacked either during the desert, you know, during Desert Storm or in our, our push. It probably wasn't our push. I think it was Desert Storm. Because you could see where the you know the impacts for bombs had hit these these I mean these things were giant. Anyway. We cleared this whole big complex on our way up to where this bridge was. And then we occupied this bridge. We were there for six days. And I remember six days because we were, it was, it was, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, again, you know, you're dealing with the no, no sleeping thing. And the, the first time I actually got to sleep was when we got to this bridge and it was my time to finally have downtime. And it was the first time I ever got mortared. I was in the back of a seven ton truck, uh, laying in my sleeping bag and, um, you know, something blows up and I remember waking up and then, you know, everybody yells, well, you're incoming, you know? So I got my ass out of that truck pretty quickly and found somewhere to, to hide. And, um, but over the couple of days that we were there, at Bradley, that'd have been scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we kept getting attacked, um, every day, what they would do is they'd attack you in the morning and they'd attack you at night. So they, they and at night, I mean like whenever they got done at work, so they'd go out there and fuck with you before you went, before you got home or before they went to work. And like after they got home, or you could say it a different way, whenever it was like, you know, the cooler parts of the day. But at this time in April, Iraq was actually still pretty cold in the nighttime. I mean, it was like cold as could be, uh, especially when you're just, you're not really prepared for the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one of the days that we were there, it was the day before this. I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday, because it was the day. Good Friday that that year was the first KIA we had in our unit, and um, but the this this day that we were there, we it was you know the the four o'clock attack, you know, and what these guys were doing at this point was we had sent half of our platoon out to do an ambush because we were getting mortared every day, so we sent some dudes out to go ambush the mortar site that where we thought they were shooting mortars and um we also had a a, a, a cat team which is like a combined anti-armor team guys and, and humvees they were out there with us and um they drove out and eventually they started an attack against us they set off an id and then that was like their signal and then they started attacking so they started mortaring us and um where we were, we were stretched out across this bridge, not, not across the bridge itself, but on one side of the bridge. And because what we were doing was setting up vehicle checkpoints. So we were catching vehicles that were coming back, looking for weapons and munitions and stuff like that. And, uh, where I was, we were the closest to the bridge, myself, 
there was a machine gun team that was that I was with, um, and the reason that I was on the far end is because I had a, a scoped rifle. And at that point in time, um, everybody had regular M16A4s. They didn't have um, they didn't have ACOGs on them yet. So at that point in time, if you were a designated marksman, you got the ACOG. So I had an ACOG, um, which is just a little little four power scope. Um, so. As this fight goes on, you know, we, we get mortared. I mean, it was, it was pretty intense. It was insane. I mean, if, if that being the first time you're really getting in a, in a gunfight, shooting at people, um, where I was with the 240, I mean, like, we almost exhausted our ammunition. I mean, there was a lot of shooting that went on. So after this had all taken place, um, you know, it had settled down maybe an hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that afterwards. Uh, on... You know, if, if I was facing the bridge, you know, and our the road kept going behind us, well, back behind us to our to our left side, you know, there's a road, you know, because there's people around there. So there's like this little dirt road, and uh, a guy in a in a little pickup truck, like a little old Toyota pickup truck, uh, a pickup truck starts driving down, and you're communicating, you know. So all of us, hey. There's a truck coming. You don't know what it is. It could be uh, a vehicle-borne explosive, you know, a, a you know, a suicide bomber. Um, it could be people that are going to get out of the truck and start shooting at you. You know, you, you don't know what it is. It could be is. somebody trying to get the hell out of the place where everybody's shooting it, too. <laughs> sure could, man. It could be like, hey, let's 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 get out of here now. Let's stop. You know, I'm trying to trying to leave. You know, so um, I had turned around and I'm watching it. I've got you know. My crosshairs are, you know, my little Chevron, you know, I'm, I'm watching the vehicle, you know, I'm ready to shoot at it if I need to. And up the road or up the, you know, the line from us, you know, one of the guys opens up on this with a, with a saw, uh, which is a little, you know, a uh, little machine gun, little light machine gun. He puts a couple bursts into it. The truck stops immediately. A guy gets out and he just starts waving his hands. And I mean, just like frantically, he's in, he's in a man dress, you know, so he's, he's got like the, the man dress on and he's, he's, uh, just letting us know like, Hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. So, and I'm watching them, you know, cause I'm sitting there thinking like I might have to start, you know, engaging the target, you know, cause that's the way you mentally look at things. You know, it's not people, they're just targets. Um, and then he runs around He's waving the, like this. His uh, video was frozen. So you couldn't see. But, oh yeah. yeah. So he, I mean, he's just waving with his hands over his head, you know, just trying to get our attention. And he, uh, I'm watching him through the scope. And I watch him run around the front of his car, run, run around the front of the truck, and he, he's opening up the side of the, the vehicle. I mean, because you're, you're watching him. You know, you don't know what's happening. You don't know if he's going to pull an RPG out or something like that. You have no clue. Uh, so we sent a, uh, a little contact patrol out to go see what he was and what he was doing. And um, we had killed his daughter. We had shot him. She was in the front seat with him, and she was young. I think she was like, you know, 10, 12 years old, something like that. And, um, man, I remember the guys coming back from that. I mean, I didn't see it, but I remember the guys that came back from it that are just, they were just, you know. And the, the thing for me is, like, I'm sitting there looking at him through a scope, you know. I mean, I could have pulled a trigger too, but I didn't. I thank God that I didn't. Um, but that the toll of like what it's like whenever you invade another country and you now the man survived put right? these, 
Man survived. Yeah, he was. He didn't get hit. The the burst apparently like ran up that one side of the vehicle and and, and hit her. And uh, I can't remember if she was airlifted out or not. But I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, she died. I, I know she died. And the guy who did it, you know, he was my roommate later on. And it, dude, he had just terrible nightmares about it. Uh, trying to, I mean, because you don't know. I mean, that's the thing is, is these guys that are doing these things. It's not like the. It's not like the dude who opened up on that vehicle had any intention to kill a child, you know? I mean, you're just looking at this as like uh, uh, a danger, and you're either doing what you're told or what you're trained to do. And they it, attempted to save other people afterward. They tried to, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they did everything they could. I mean, they anytime, you know, a civilian was hurt, I mean, our corpsmen, I mean, it doesn't matter who you were. I mean, they don't want to – if you're a civilian that gets hurt, they're going to do everything they can for you you know, within, within the reason to up to and including, you know, evacuating people out. Um, but that, that was, and then the the next day, I didn't tell you this, the the next day we thought we were fucked. They, so they had us up all night. We were a hundred percent all night. We stayed up all night long. And the next day up from this little city, like coming down the road was this huge group of people. And what was freaked out, what, why we were freaked out was just like, we were out of, we had shot, so much during the engagement that we had before right so our unit hadn't been to iraq but for like a month maybe not even and when you first get there you kind of have to start learning like well what do you bring with you and how much of a loadout do you bring and so a typical loadout for like a marine rifleman is going to be six magazines that's six 30 round magazines it's not a lot um and then our machine guns the same thing you know we, we we had not brought enough ammunition um, so whenever we see this huge procession of people coming, we're like, oh, my God, this is going to suck. But it was a funeral procession. Mm. And they were carrying, you know, their caskets down the road in front of us. Um, and that was when you realize that the people you're killing aren't just bad guys, you know? And I mean, the even the bad guys, you know, I call them bad guys, but they're just dudes fighting for their country. You know, we're the ones that invaded them. It's a real tough thing to really think about. I mean, that's like with, this, with these things with these guys in Afghanistan, all the Afghanistan veterans, man, they're, you know, as an Iraq veteran, I've already felt it, you know, seeing us leave a country and me thinking about all the children that I saw. Is you know, it weird you know, that a, like walk- the veterans aren't proud and yet, they come home and there are a lot of people that are so proud for you. Like, Oh, you did the great, greatest thing ever. And you're like, I don't feel like that. You know, it it depends on what you did too. You know, I think I said the last time we talked, you know, that your experiences really vary. You know, you've got a lot of people who go in the country and they, they're at one or two bases maybe, or maybe they'll do a a supply run with a, a vehicle and a convoy, you know, once a month or something like that. I mean, they, so many of the people that go overseas into into a combat zone stay in one base the entire time they're there. They don't ever really go out and see things. But if you're an infantry guy, I mean, you're out walking the land. I mean, at least as a Marine infantry. And I think the Army's the same way. It just depends on what unit you're with and where you were. But in Iraq, for us, I mean, a lot of what we did was uh, foot patrols. Even whenever you had a mounted patrol and you go out somewhere, you know, say you take vehicles way out somewhere to do some, like, counter indirect fire mission you still post your vehicles up and then send out you know satellite patrols to go walk around and watch your base or watch your you know your area 
but you know, you, you see the people, you see the kids, they come up to you. I mean, when you stop at, you stop in people's homes, uh, you go in their homes, you're, and, um, you know, they'll give you chai, they'll give you tea and they'll feed you too, you know? And there's some people, some of the guys that were there were really nice. You know, some of the civilians were really nice. And I mean, cause their culture you know, it can be a fairly uh, inviting culture. I mean, they're not all these crazy, angry people that they make them out to be on TV. And the children, um, you know, again, and, you know, that's one of the things I look at with Afghanistan. Like, who are we to judge what the Taliban does or what these people live like? It's not America. It's not the West. They're never going to be us. But in Iraq, you know, there's strict rules that they have of, like, boys and girls you know so like they're very different and the boys are real aggressive you know and they'll shove girls or steal their candy sometimes so then you, you yoke them up and <laughs> take the candy from them and give it to the girl and um but to see these children that would come up to us all the time and i, and I always had to wonder you know how many of these kids that i saw uh how many of them were killed by isis later on you know did any of them get killed you know maybe they all lived good happy lives i mean we saw thousands of kids you know over the course of two different deployments um but it really makes you think like when you leave it you know the guys that were there that walked the land that saw the people that walked the streets you become connected to it in a weird kind of way and uh, when you leave it and you see and I mean, Afghanistan, I don't, I don't know how those guys will feel. It was a different conflict. I, I wasn't there. Um, I don't know what those people were like, but I know that in Iraq, man, seeing, uh, seeing us pull out of Iraq the way that we did, how we did it, and, and seeing ISIS take up, and even before that, just to see the sectarian violence that was being fomented between those people, um, all the bombings that would take place in Iraq on a weekly basis where they would blow each other up in mosques or in markets. And it wasn't them blowing some of up, that was, was also them blowing each other up. Uh, provocateurs. Like we talked about last time, the British uh, that sure. were wearing wigs yep. and dressing and I think Sunni garb and attacked at a Shia uh, wedding or whatever. And they got thrown in jail and the Brits went and knocked the wall yeah. of the jail down with the tank Broke and them got them out of there. So they were, you know, posing How as one faction to hit another. <laughs> to create sectarian yeah. violence on purpose. So fucked. Well, I mean, and there was, I mean, throughout the country, you, I mean, you have a, 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 something that I guess a lot of Americans don't completely comprehend, but the, the difference between Sunni and Shia and, um, you know, the, the way that those people, you know, you had the Sunni triangle and you had, a, you know, Saddam, who was a, who was the Sunni and the majority of Iraq was Shia. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, I mean, I guess it would kind of be like the Catholics and Protestants fighting in, in Britain and, and in uh, Ireland and things like that. I mean, it's uh, fundamental differences, but it, it causes them to, to get violent with each other. Um, and we saw a lot of that. I mean, that was something you had to be careful with the police, too, like the police that they would have. So I, I, didn't, I never told you this, like some of the violence that you would see with among the people. In my second deployment, whenever we were in Karma, you know, they we would train the police, you know, so we would go over there and train the police forces and arm them and give them all these really nice AKs because I got to, to look at them. There were these gorgeous Bulgarian AK-47s that were milled, uh, milled receiver AKs, which are the really fancy, nice ones. Um, most of the Iraq 
AKs were, were pretty busted and ugly. But, you know, we, of course, the American taxpayers paid for these beautiful AKs that we were giving their policemen. Well, anyway, um, in Alcarma, one of the things that happened one time was the, the police, they, they drove around in these pickup trucks. And um, the local uh, Mujahideen or whatever you'd call them, they're, they're bad guys, stopped these guys in the middle of the town in this little, um, what did they call this? I'm trying to think of what the center of that town was called because it was an ugly little spot for us sometimes because they just had a lot of IEDs down the road a little bit further from it. But anyway, in the middle of town, in the middle of day, they stopped this truck with the policemen in there and executed them all in the middle of town, everybody to see it. And the next day, none of the police showed up because they weren't from the town. They'd come in from somewhere else, you know, and they realized that, you know, they're going to get murked. Uh, they pieced out, you know, and they did not come back. So, so then we had to go occupy the police station so that, you know, other people wouldn't come in and take over the little police station. Uh, it was, it was weird, man. There's, there's a lot of things that you think about that I can think about, you know, both deployments, uh, stuff you see, weird things you came across, uh, beautiful places and, um, interesting people. It's, uh, it's something. Well, we're, um, two minutes to the hour and I'm actually have another interview I have to do. I didn't want to interrupt yeah, you in the middle of Fallujah though, but good. Um, we'll have you back on. That's something else that's good for people to hear. If you guys have any shekel questions, uh, you can do them on Odyssey. You should be able to. There's a lot of little people sending crypto. I don't need that, but thanks. Um, <laughs> don't get me going on that stuff. I don't know what if they can ask questions on Odyssey. It seems like you can donate, but I don't know if you can ask questions. I mean, if that's the case, you could yeah. just use PeerTube, because we can donate on PeerTube too. But yeah, I mean, hopefully entropy will work next time, and we'll continue this story. And uh, I've got a, another interview. I'm going to be on someone else's show, and we'll record that and have it too. A lot of people are just saying thank you to you. Uh, Simplify. Yeah. I want people to Simplify. hear it, man. I want Says people to hear it. Fixie. <laughs> Six simple tyrannies. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a motivator. Yeah. Let's no. see. We got, uh, oh, we got an Afghan veteran on Skype who's enjoying this talk. She says she have an insane issues with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, man. Um, I will talk to you later. S sucks that Peace. the big arena was down for this. I'm sure people had a lot of questions yeah. and at least with Odyssey, you know, they could send some shekels. So we're getting some. Just write what you want. You don't have to donate. We got you guys rule. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Six Simper Tyrannus from Texit. It declined my card, said Fire Pixie. Well, that's not good. <laughs> um, well, that sucks. You know, you can use A&C Report, I suppose. Just click on the gold pot and um, Discord your question or something. I don't know, man. We'll find a workaround. We'll find a workaround fucking sucks i think tags had the same problem so yeah odyssey's still kind of halfway there but i still support it because you know they'll improve and with entropy going down and we don't know if that's temporary or not this may be the only option <laughs> until gab pay gets going so uh yeah all right i've made the guy wait um fucking amazing stories dude it's just uh maybe a little therapeutic to get people to listen i suppose mm. but fucking 
Reality of War, man. It's not a. It's not a. And it was thing, all based it, on lies. Yeah. Neocons started the whole conflict with Iraq. It was no fucking point. That's what that's what puts the fire under me, you know. To, to, there's the, there's an anger inside of me uh, because of having to do those things underneath a false pretense and knowing about it after the fact. Knowing you can't go back, I can never go apologize to those people, and that's it's one of those things that hurts inside, you know. Knowing the the really fucked up things you did and saw and were part of, and never being able to, not knowing at the time. Well, you're um, supporting what this channel, and I was I did know at the time and did everything I could to. Yep. Tell people how stupid the war was and what the lies were and who was lying. So you're uh, you're making up for it by doing that, I guess. Yeah, man. I'm as anti-war as can be. I can't stand it. Yeah. Pisses me off. These fucking chicken hawks send people to war and then piss on the veterans after the fact. Yeah. And then, and they, you know, the it's reason a- I argue about the Civil War so much too is like they're going to do the same thing with Iraq and stuff. Fifty years from now, they're going to act like there were WMDs. You know, look at all the people who said so. And I think no, there were not. Well, they moved them to Syria. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> With the cartoon drawings That's of right. them, How you know, can you, because I, they didn't have actual satellite <laughs> photographs of these like, uh, supposed <laughs> WMD trains. Or it's Net, Netanyahu's cartoon labs. bomb about Iran is right up there with the mobile weapons labs of Colin Powell. I actually made a picture of <laughs> Netanyahu holding up a picture of Colin Powell holding up a picture <laughs> of the weapons labs. I think we should hold up a picture of Netanyahu with his nuclear weapons filled with American uranium they stole well, from New Mexico. Yeah, well, that film's coming out in March. I mean, it's yeah, we're ready Looking to go, to but it. I want to screen it in the U.S. And assuming they're they are having the conference, but they haven't given us a location, so I don't know if that's mm-hmm. still going to be in Washington D.C. or if they have to go to a free state like Texas or Florida or something or Mississippi. But it'll be somewhere. Yep. Can you link the press TV spot you did today? It's on my bit shoot right now. So just go to my bit shoot. There it is. All right, man. Talk to you later. Peace. Yeah, man.